If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you have to have the desire to do what? To deny yourself. And what does that word deny mean? In the Greek, it literally means to forget about your own desires and your own self. You cannot think of yourself first. You're the last one on the list. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Well, it's good to have you along today for our continuing study of Mark's Gospel. Today, as Raul explores Christ's calling of his first two disciples, you'll be encouraged to see that they weren't people of great status or wealth. Jesus chose lowly fishermen. And as Raul unfolds today's passage, he'll show you that the Lord can do extraordinary things through you when you commit to obeying his call. Here's Raul Reese now with today's lesson. Why don't you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And we left off about verse 16 last time we met. Mark 1, 16. Jesus now is actually in the Sea of Galilee. And uh, if you've been to Israel, the Sea of Galilee is a very beautiful place. It's a quiet place. And it's uh, a place where Jesus spent about three years of his life there. And he established his ministry in the actual area of Capernaum. Uh, when you go to Israel today, you'll find that across uh, from Tiberias to the other side of Capernaum, there's a little synagogue there that goes back to the time of Christ. It's not the original synagogue, but below it, underground, is the original uh, synagogue where Jesus Christ came and ministered to the people of God. But it's a real amazing place when you walk around Tiberias and Capernaum and Gadara. And you go around the Sea of Galilee up into Caesarea Philippi. And you look at the whole Galilee area. It's one of the most beautiful places that i ever been to. And I always imagine when I go there, especially when we're at the uh, Mount of the Beatitudes. And we're sitting up on top of the Mount of the Beatitudes. And we're giving the sermon from Matthew chapter 5. It's always incredible to go back and to imagine in your mind... How many times Jesus walked around the Sea of Galilee and even crossed the Sea of Galilee and even walked on water on the Sea of Galilee. So there's a lot of history on the Sea of Galilee. But also this is the place here in chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel where Jesus went to speak to Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen. And they literally grew up in the Sea of Galilee. And uh, as a matter of fact, John's father was a pretty wealthy fisherman. He had a business concerning fishing. And they had grown up kind of like in a yuppie class or they were pretty rich. And they came to a place where Jesus now is coming to the Sea of Galilee and is going to call these men to come to follow him. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus has met Peter and James and John. He's already met them before, a year before this. So this is Mark now telling us, a year later, uh, coming for the second time now, and making the call to these men to follow Jesus Christ, beginning with verse 16. Look what he says. 
And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishermen of men. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus calls people, He never calls perfect people. As a matter of fact, Paul the Apostle talked about the kind of people that the Lord calls. Let me turn for a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, That not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God doesn't call somebody that's totally educated. Or somebody that is perfect. Or somebody that can speak good English or good phrases. But it's always those that He calls that really have not only a desire to serve God. And usually He'll call people like Peter, like James, like John, like Andrew. They were in the world and they had their own little testimony. And it seems that when people are called from the world and they come to Christ, there is something in us that when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that we don't really want to go back to that world that we came out of, but we now want to really give our whole life to Jesus Christ and serve Him so that He can use my life as He transformed my life and He teaches me and He leads me and He guides me. But the most important thing as He anoints my life to use me. I'm always amazed, why did God choose me? But there's something about the calling of God and the power of God, whether you're getting an education or not, or whatever you want to be, wherever you're at, God will put a call in your life, and then He'll anoint you, and He'll use you. He uses lawyers, He uses judges, He uses policemen, He uses firemen, He uses business people. It is people that are willing to submit their life to Him and say, Lord, here am I, use me. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'll do it. But with the calling of God also, as we see here in this little gospel of Jesus Christ, is that when Jesus Christ put the call on them, immediately they got up and they left their nets and they followed Jesus Christ. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, turn to it for a moment. Because here we have the secret to following Jesus Christ. And I think that if everyone would memorize and would learn Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 24, we would not only be better citizens of the kingdom of God, but better equipped servants to serve Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Here in chapter 16... Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And He's on His way to Jerusalem. And He's actually in the upper Galilee, up by Mount Hermon in Caesarea Philippi. And on His way towards Caesarea Philippi, the Lord Jesus Christ is with Peter, James, and John. And they actually come to Caesarea Philippi where there's a a huge, huge stone of rock there. Where the actual worship of Pan God was worshipped by the Greeks. And there's a beautiful stream of water that comes from Mount Hermon as the snow is melting. It comes down through there and it's very clear water, cold water. And there are trout in the water. 
And as you're standing there, you're looking up at this massive stone. And you can get the picture as Jesus, Peter, and James, and John were standing there. And Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, well, Lord, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're Jeremiah the prophet. But then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, out of all of the disciples that were with him, 12 of them. Jesus turns to the 12, but he turns to every one of them individually. And he says, I don't care what everybody else believes about me. Who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately said, Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Messiah, the anointed one of God. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But it has been a super divine revelation from my Father that has spoken to your heart. And that's the way it is. No one can truly confess who Jesus Christ is unless it is a divine work of the Holy Spirit. And when God touches your life, and when the Lord reveals Himself to you divinely, then in verse 24 of chapter 16, this is what takes place next in the life of any believer. And if you want to be a real follower of Jesus Christ, and these are the qualifications to follow Christ. Let me read them to you. Beginning with verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Three things. Number one, you have to have a desire to follow Christ. If there is no desire for God, then you cannot be his disciple. Then what happens is that Satan will come along and he'll actually throw other things into your life so that you become busy and you don't completely follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ said that if we're going to follow him and that we really have a desire to follow him, then we have to deny our mother, our father, our brother, our sister, our wife, our husband, our children, Everything has to be denied and Christ has to be first in my life. That's the way God wants to call us. The problem is there are too many people that have too many other things in following Jesus Christ. I call it, they have too much equipment to carry. Too much over baggage. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you have to have the desire to do what? To deny yourself. And what does that word deny mean? In the Greek, it literally means to forget about your own desires and your own self. You cannot think of yourself first. You're the last one on the list. Which means denial is not only denying myself, but actually humbling myself before the Lord. Dying to myself. Dying to my selfish desires. Loving others and caring for others and serving others rather than myself first. That's what he's talking about. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Visit us 24-7 at somebodylovesyou.com or call us at 800-634-9165. Now, at the end of today's program, we'll offer you a heart-lifting book that points to the triumphant life you can have with Jesus. Now, let's return to more of Rawls' teaching. So in following Jesus Christ, 
the desire to follow Him, the denial to follow Him, and thirdly, the desire to follow Him, and notice, and to follow Him without what looking back into the plow. You cannot look back and say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. There was a young man in the Bible that came to Jesus when he called him. He said, well, Lord, first of all, I'll follow you after my father dies. Then I'll come follow you. And he said, let the dead bury their dead. You see? God has to be first. It can't be your mother or your father or your brother or your wife or your husband or your children. Because if there's something that is first above God, then you'll never have the true desire and ambition and humility to follow Christ all the way. Denying yourself completely to Jesus Christ. And then look what he says in verse 25. He really makes an incredible thing here. He says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. You see? If you desire to save your life in this life, in the next life to come, what's going to happen? You will lose your life eternally. But, look what he says. And whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that is so true. When we come to the cross of Jesus Christ and we die to ourselves, then we truly find ourselves in Jesus Christ, period. Then God can use my life. And here we have not only, look at the next verse. This even gets better. Verse 25. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then look what he says. For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Every person has a price. Every person. Judas had his price, $20, to betray the Lord. Think of all the people today that not only have had a call in their life, but they have sold out for prosperity, for money, and they totally have lost the call of God for so many years doing something that God never called you to do. Because you didn't want to take up your cross and follow Him. And yet, when Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee, and He saw Peter and James and John and Andrew, Immediately they picked up everything they had and they left it behind and they left without anything and they didn't even go ask their mother and father if they should follow Christ. They got up and they began to follow Jesus Christ immediately. That's the true call of God to the people of God. Going back to Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 17. Look what he says. And then Jesus said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishermen of men. And they immediately left their nets, and they followed him. And then when he had gone a little bit further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, his John, his brother, who also were their boat mending their nets. And then immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, with their hired servants. So it means they had a lot of money. And look what it says. And they went after Jesus. I love it. 
You know, when I first came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's pretty amazing because I grew up in a heathen home and I wasn't a Christian until the age of 24 years old. Once I had lived my whole life and I felt like my life was over with everything, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the day that I got saved, I knew that I wanted to serve God the rest of my life. Now, my conversion came instantly, immediately. But the call of God came in the process of days and weeks, and even sometimes in months, as God would put a call in my life. But I knew that when I got saved, about two weeks after I got saved, the Lord came to me, and He called me to go back to my old high school and begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in my old high school. Now sometimes when God puts a call in your life, and He calls you back to Jerusalem, where you live, it's very hard because you know that people are not going to believe you. Until they see your life. Because there are too many people that say they've been converted and they have a call of God. But yet when you look at their lives, they misrepresent God with their lives. There's no change. But as people began to see my life change, like the police department. The teachers that actually were in my high school. And the young people that I was ministering to. My father and my mother, my brother and my sisters. They saw the change in my life. Then they themselves, being heathens, began to ask questions about Jesus Christ. And the greatest testimony is your life. The greatest testimony. And Peter, James, and John, and Andrew would see that in the time to come. Because as they would follow Jesus Christ, their lives would reflect on the life of the people that they actually grew up around the Sea of Galilee. And when they would see them with Jesus, they would know that these was actually the men that they played with when they were kids. And they knew Zebedee's father and the families. And now these young men, not old men, young men, left everything to follow Jesus Christ and to go to the mission field. And to work with the Lord full time in telling people about Jesus Christ. That was the call that God put in their lives. And that's the same call that God has put in each one of our lives. And now as Jesus is calling his disciples, he begins his ministry now in verse 21 to 28. And notice how it begins here. And then they went back into Capernaum, which was the headquarters of Christ. And immediately on the Sabbath... He entered the synagogue and he taught. Now, when you would come to a Jewish synagogue, in order to have a Jewish synagogue in a town, anywhere where Jews went, there had to be 10 male guys. 10 males, not females. 10 males and then you could have a synagogue. And when you came into the synagogue, usually on the Sabbath day, the rabbi would allow any visitor, which was a rabbi, to get up and give testimony and to read from the law of God. And to teach the people of God. That's how the synagogue worked. So when Jesus goes on the Sabbath day. And enters the synagogue. Everybody is astonished. Notice in verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching. As he says. For he taught them as one having authority. And not as his Christ. What does he mean by that? Well when the rabbis would stand up in the pulpit. And they would teach, they would always quote the rabbis of their time. They would say, Rabbi Shimei says this, or Rabbi Halal says this. But when Jesus got up to the pulpit, and he ministered to the people of God, he spoke directly word, the word of God. He was the word of God. 
He was the authority. You see? He wasn't courting other rabbis. He was giving them the authority of the Father given to the Son that He was the authority of the Word of God. And as He was teaching, people were totally amazed and astonished at the authority that He had. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of the living God. And look what happens there in the synagogue, verse 23. And now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And notice that in the church, in that synagogue, it's not always people that believe that come to Calvary Chapel or to any church. In this religious setting, there was a guy coming on the Sabbath day and he was demon possessed. Imagine that. He was demon-possessed, sitting in the congregation, being fully demon-possessed. And no one had ever been able to what? To discern it until Jesus came to the synagogue. And look what it says. And there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. Immediately started crying out. He said, leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? And no, no, he says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Notice that it wasn't the men speaking. It was who? The demons were speaking through this man. I don't know how many of you have ever seen a demon-possessed person. I have seen them many times. In South America, in Central America, in China... And over in the far east, demons are not to be messed with. They're real. They're real, real spirits that have come to destroy and to kill and to steal. And sometimes because we're living in such a material world, the spiritual world that we cannot see, what did Paul say? In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, he said, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. We don't see them. But if we could this evening, if we could see here, right here as we're standing here, and if we could look into that spiritual realm, we would actually blow our minds when we would see these demons actually fighting with true angels of God for people's souls. It's like people say, well, how do I turn the light on? Well, just go over and switch the light and the darkness will be gone. That's how easy it is. It's nothing hard. And look what he says. I know who you are. The Holy One of God. And then look what Jesus said to them. And Jesus rebuked him. Notice he's not rebuking the person. He's rebuking who? The demon. That is speaking out. Saying, be quiet. Shut up. And come out of him. I love it. He doesn't mess around. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, Hey, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, Jesus commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. You bet. He was the son of God. We hope today's message has been an inspiration for you to open yourself up to the mighty ways God may want to work through you to accomplish His perfect will. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review the lesson you've just heard, call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you an uncut version for a donation of $5 or more. When you get in touch with us, ask for Raul's teaching from Mark 1, verses 16 through 45. 
We'd also like to tell you about Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. Drawing parallels with Rawls' Vietnam War experience, this resource will open your eyes to the spiritual battle that's raging daily all around you. You'll see that even in your weakness and imperfection, you can be triumphant with the power of the Holy Spirit, the weapon of God's Word, and the authority of Jesus' name. Act now to order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send your copy for a gift of $14 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. Or write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We're committed to helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord as you explore the life-giving riches of His Word. Your feedback is always welcome. And be sure to take advantage of our many free Somebody Loves You resources. Download our app to enjoy more of Rawls' teaching, explore digital Bible studies, and link to our online resource store. You can also experience any Somebody Loves You radio program as a podcast. Simply download them using Spotify or iTunes. And every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, you'll want to join Rawl on his YouTube channel for Straight Talk, a Q&A program providing biblical guidance for godly living. Well, thanks so much for partnering with us to keep these programs on the air. Every gift you give is tax-deductible and helps us reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Next time on Somebody Loves You Radio, we'll continue with more in Mark's Gospel. Exploring how one man's life was changed for eternity by his friend's extraordinary act of boldness, you'll get a challenge to exercise fearless persistence in guiding others to Christ. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.